Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The show is about to begin. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Concerts That Made Us. I'm your host Brian, and before we get into this week's episode, the answer to last week's music trivia question was of course Queen. They hold the record for the longest running fan club. Now, for this week's music trivia question, which famous musician went by the name Elston Gunn before changing his name? And we've got another five star review. Five stars. All right, listen up. Okay, start off with the great accent. I'm American and I am just dazzled by foreign to me accents. Ha ha. That's how we are. It's so pleasing and this awesome pod reminds me how much I miss concerts. At least I can listen to this and still feel my love of music. Keep it up. This review is left by the searching pod on iTunes. And don't forget, if you leave a 5 star review, it will be read out on the show. Now, on to this week's episode. My guest is Lucy Kruger of Lucy Kruger and the Lost Boys. Lucy is a lovely person, I really enjoyed chatting with her. We had such an interesting conversation. So I know you're going to love this episode. Now, without further ado, let's get on with the show. Fingers from 
Lucy Kruger, you're very welcome to Concerts That Made Us. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted to have you. So before we get into your music, I have to ask, Lucy Kruger and the Lost Boys, is it inspired by Peter Pan or the vampire film? Yeah, I would like to say the vampire film, but it's definitely Peter Pan. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking. Subconscious influence. Yeah, yeah. So you released Autobiography of an Evening on March 11th. Would you like to tell us a bit about it? Yes. Um, It's the third single from the record that I have coming out called Teen Tapes for Performing Your Own Stunts. And um, what can I say about it? I I just actually, when I wrote it, I just finished reading a book called Autobiography of Red, which is a book by Anne Carson. who it's it's a, it's a kind of a, a lyric novel and so it's written in verse um and so it has a, a very interesting musical quality to it um but yeah there's something there was something about her the way she used metaphor that i, I had never seen or read before or felt before just like I don't know sometimes I, I imagine like imagine you could see discover a new color or something that what yeah. like wasn't on the color palette that you'd never seen before you know and I think that somehow you think with language yeah or with music I guess like yeah so much has been done it's all been done or and I yeah it was I have I haven't had that so much where you read something and you're like wow this is I I it's 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 describing familiar feelings, like deeply familiar feelings, but in this totally new way. Mm. Um, it was extremely inspiring, and I was like, I'm going to write a song now because I can feel this, like, well, oh, and just excited by the possibility of what create, like, what um, creating can do, and the and the newness that is possible, you know. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That you mentioned. It seems like everything has been done. You know. All the colors have been discovered. Yeah. All songs have been done already. It must be a very daunting feeling for a musician thinking, you know, all the greats that have come before have done it all. It's hard to come up with something new. How do you approach that that kind of feeling? I don't know, because, you know, I was thinking about it the other day and I was thinking it's so strange that we all still continue to write. Well, not everyone, obviously, but but often in a, like a verse, chorus, verse, chorus kind of a way. And then I was thinking... Maybe it's not so, like, it's also familiarity that makes stuff meaningful to us. If everything is completely new all the time, there's no referencing. And, and like, we make meaning by, through context, you know. Mm. And so, actually, it's, like, variations on things that I think are the, what makes something meaningful, you know. Yeah, it's like, if something was completely new and had no reference point, I don't know if it would particularly in, yeah, so I don't know. It's like some somehow like this. It's a challenge, but at the same time, it's like a gift to be, yeah, to be speaking to things that exist, you know. Mm, 
yeah yeah you need that that touch of familiarity yeah and and repetition you know like we need repetition i think that's how we make sense of things and yeah um, yeah you uh you mentioned your upcoming album which is out on the 8th of april it's yes. uh it's the final one in a trilogy of tapes that's the overall project seems very interesting it started with uh, sleeping tapes for some girls. Now, just so the listeners are aware, this isn't an album where you're doing ASMR to put people to sleep. Would you like to? Would you like to tell us about the overall project? Yeah. So I guess when I started, when I when I when I made sleeping tapes for some girls, I wasn't. That was, well, actually, even even the album initially wasn't necessarily ever going to be an album. I, um, it was very much. I was living. Uh, me and my partner had split and I was, um, I think, having a bit of a hard, I mean, it's a bit, it's a bit literal, but I was have, really literally having a bit of a hard time sleeping. And I was um, listening a lot to female, it just happened to be, uh, female singer-songwriters um, and found an ex- incredible companionship in that. Um, and when I started to write songs over that time, it was really a, uh, and it's easier to tell this from a distance, I guess, but it was a very kind of strained and necessary and quiet conversation that I was having with myself. And then when I started to notice the nature of the songs, I thought, actually, I would really love to make something that I would have, I would need over this time. Mm. And um, it, and then I decided to call it that. And once I'd given it a name, it made, it focused the album a lot. And it was really lovely to work like that because then, I knew what would belong in there and like where things should. Um, and then when I moved to Berlin, I moved to Berlin just after I finished mixing that record. Mm. And when I started to write new material, it also took on a very particular quality. And I wasn't necessarily, yeah, I was just kind of writing. And and then another shift happened in my life. And I started, I, I mean, I just kept writing over this time. But then I kind of at some point like noticed these very sort of clear chapters and how they spoke to each other. Um, and then, so before I started recording the next two albums, I made that decision. And so then I I wrote with, I continued to write and create, like produce with that in mind mm. of this kind of like a very, in a, in, a, in, a, in a way, Sleeping Tapes is really done in the bedroom. And then I moved to Berlin. Um, and so there's really a sense of, literal and um, metaphorical movement. Um, and it's kind of in a very obvious, in a very sort of simplistic way, the sort of sleeping tapes and then a kind of waking. And then the third is a kind of entering or exiting, whichever way. Mm. Yeah. 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 I love yeah. how they're like, um, you know, someone could put them on, put all three of them on and follow your journey almost. It's like a, a telling the story of a journey, you know? Yeah. Sure. You don't you don't get that with a lot of records at the moment, but how has the reception been so far? Oh, I find yeah, this is always difficult for me. I have I'm not really sure to be honest, and I have this strange. I mean, people are lovely, and they. Um, I try. I guess what I'm saying is I try not to think about it too much because <laughs> um, I'm going to do what I do regardless, in a, in a very in a, not in a I hope not in a sort of self centered way of like this is my like I, I think that it makes the most sense to 
not allowed too much external influence in terms of what you're offering. And what I offer, I mean to offer. It's not like a, I'm having my own experience and if someone wants to listen to it, they can. Like Obviously, it's, it is a thing of wanting to share, but um, it's hard to gauge reception and, and the um, typical ways with which to do it, I suppose, or the more practical ways are in numbers. And I really try to avoid focusing too much on that. Yeah, yeah. They can be the downfall at times, you know, and they've become such an important part of every yeah. creative process as a way to gauge your success. But yeah. I don't think it should be like that because, you you know, you focus too much on the numbers and it can affect what you're creating, you know. You'll get wrapped up in too much. Yeah, very much. And I think, I, I, I think, and it might be idealism, but it's not actually, but it, it, it might be impractical because, um, but I, I do, for me, like the, the, the work that I find the most interesting from artists is when people really follow their own sort of particular voice a long way down and end up, yeah, they end up in a, a space of, like it's not a process you can cheat, you know. You know they end up creating in a way that's so particular to them, and that's come from just time experimenting with their own particular expression, you know. Mm. Um, and um, yeah, I think that can be quite damaged by being too. Yeah, because I guess things move in trends, you know, as well. And if you're not, if you don't fall into that, I don't know. The other question, the other thing that I think about is, you know, it's either that you're going to be influenced by your kind of success in a way that you're going to, how do I say this simply? I'm not going to stop doing what I do. And so whether, how people respond and whether they receive it, it's lovely, but it's not going to change anything. Hopefully. Yeah. yeah. It makes one financial situation more or less complicated, but outside <laughs> of that, you know. <laughs> true, true. But I suppose as well, you touched on something there as well, that it can change it can tend to change a performer or a musician at times. You see these musicians and it's like when they get successful, they lose track of where they came from, so to speak, you know, and it changes the creative output they put out. And that could, you know, at times that can lose fans because you gain fans by what you are, what you put out. Then if that totally changes, you could alienate some fans, you know. Yeah, I guess it's also just such a, I, I guess it can be because of the nature of things and how things move. It, it's just, it's just, it can be quite an unreliable indicator, I think. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's still something I'm, I, 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 I guess, I guess this relationship between public and private and, um, what's the other thing like financial and emotional something it's like a constant thing that i guess people who are trying to make a living from the art will grapple with always yeah yeah Yeah. true true so what can people expect from the upcoming chapter in the in the trilogy compared to the others yeah i think it's quite i think it's a bit more um like i i I, my, my decision was to play with a plectrum and a fuzz pedal which i um haven't really done before and so it, it sounds kind of like um there was there's a certain juvenile quality to it because there's a certain <laughs> lack of skill that nice. I try to deliberately 
give in to because the whole point of the album in a way is to be willfully playful um and to yeah to to like the fear the fear and the, the tapes is kind of about trying to give into feeling again and giving into feeling results in a kind of a necessary messiness um that i think can be tempting to avoid but is very dangerous to avoid in human life uh and so yeah it's kind of like a bit it's very it's it's a bit like angsty or something but in a kind of it's a love it's a love album basically which you would think it would make it kind of sweet but it's not that it's like um all the intensity of love and feeling and it's kind of all in there you know in a in a in a in a slightly juvenile but not insincere way well no i'm that's wrong juvenile doesn't indicate it insincere at all uh yeah it's kind of angsty but in a very loving way i think right right and would you say you're happy that this is the final final one in the trilogy is there any chance that you'll revisit it later and add a couple more chapters in yeah, I am happy. I am happy it's the final one in the sense of it's sort of like a, I was actually my my um the guy who I engineer with was saying to me the other day, I've kind of gone, it's like Benjamin Button or something, because the sleeping table like this really like introverted kind of older feeling and then teen tapes this kind of like rocking out in my bedroom quality. <laughs> but it's kind of the point, you know, it's like uh, that that regression is not the right word but some concept of that like mm. returning is some is somehow actually progressing and neither of those words are quite right but i think the feeling is there mm. um and i actually was i had a thought to carry on with the tapes because i had another idea but then i thought ah i think that there's such an such a, an immense autobiographical quality to these tapes um which i um was good and right and necessary but also quite challenging. I, I think like I was speaking to some friends about it the other day, and it's quite strange to have a project that's Lucy Kruger and the Lost Boys because you're you're, you're navigating as a sort of artistic identity, but it's also your name, you know, and so that can be quite confusing. Um and I think that the stuff that I make going forward, who knows? I mean, I think my stuff will always have some autobiographical quality, but less overtly so, I think. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and I do think it sort of did the job of what I wanted it to do. Like it was a kind of like purging or something, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. And how do you feel about writing so personally? Is it a bit, do you find it a bit intrusive or is it like a release? Are you happy to do it or would you prefer to take a step back and say, write from a character's point of view? Yeah, I don't know. I think about this so often, and I, sometimes when I listen to artists speak about it, then I feel like oh, I'm actually just a very um, amateur artist for always speaking so personally because it's sort of like relying on a guttural feeling of like a therapeutic process or something. And then I feel a bit ashamed, like, oh, I should be writing more complex characters that don't just have to come from my like over-emotional state or something. But and also another, I think another interesting thing is that you don't, I don't write, and especially because I write really from the start very much alone, 
I really don't write with the intention of people listening. Of course, it must be in there somewhere. Like, it's naive to say, I know that I, I'm going to share these songs, but it's not the strong feeling that's with me. And I think that there's so many different music is kind of interesting in that way and that there's really different places. And the writing is one thing, and the recording is another thing, and then the performing is another thing. And you don't necessarily think about the performing when you're doing the writing. And so I'm in this particular state. And then when I'm share, share performing, it's something else you know um and it doesn't yeah it doesn't feel to me it's not really i know that for some people that seems like a very scary thing but it's not really for me i don't understand why um it should be it's quite it's quite absurd to like read your diary or sing your diary too (laughs) but it it doesn't yeah i don't find it so especially because i think it's you know I, i guess what's what makes people afraid or what what is what can be very scary is a, a genuine vulnerability mm. and i don't think when a song is framed when a feeling is framed in a song that's a very safe place for me um yeah it would be different if i had to stand up and tell everyone <laughs> how I felt or something but i'm i'm singing a song that's a totally different thing you know and i think at the at the performance stage of things I've come to I've come to think that in a lot of ways, it's like a um, a method of communicating, and the songs are of course important, but in some strange way they're almost secondary to the life, like the the act of engagement, you know. And because the song was written from a place of sincerity, and my want to share live is sincere, it is a true thing. But it's very different. I know that some people. I don't like if I'm singing the songs live. I'm not necessarily like going back to that exact space. Yeah, you know. So they become something else all the time, and I'm comfortable with that. Like it brings me a lot of peace, actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And so you're based in Berlin now, but you started off in South Africa with your band Medicine Boy. What, what, um, what brought you to Berlin? Um. Well, when Andrea and I from Medicine Boy, when we first, I mean, South Africa is a wonderful place. It's quite, for a lot of reasons, very complicated to, to try and make a living there um, as a musician, because I think that how we imagine you could make a, a living is through touring. I'm still trying to figure out whether that's true. <laughs> but um, it, we, you know, to tour there, it's very isolated. There's not a, there's not a big touring circuit at all. And because of the visa situation to get to Europe and to try tour was, we did it twice, but it was extremely complicated. And we thought of, we sort of thought if we want to give this a go, we have to try and move. Um, and so that for, for in very simple terms, that was the reason. Um, but also I suppose just a bit of an adventure and, and, you know, it's difficult to when, it, you know, I guess we wanted to also feel what it would be like to be able to immerse ourselves into a musical scene and I suppose when I say scene, I don't know what I meant then and I don't know what I mean now, but also in very simple terms, just being able to see the bands that you love, mm. um, which you can't, it's challenging in South Africa. There's a really beautiful scene there in a way. And I think a lot of it comes from the, the fact that it's based on community and a need for music. But smaller, you know, sort of middle-sized bands don't really come to South Africa very easily because it's very expensive and there's not much of a touring circuit, as I said. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, I've um I've actually spoke to some artists from South Africa in the past and I totally get what you're what you're saying. It doesn't seem like there is a massive scene there for bands or you know, especially in the rock sort of 
rock genre. So I, yeah. I can totally understand why you would make the leap to to go to Berlin. And but um, I've actually never spoke to an artist based in Berlin before. What's the the music scene like there now? You know, it's also so hard to speak about it, to be honest, from my perspective, because I've been here yeah, almost three and a half years, maybe close to four now. But the last two and a half have been uh, extremely different landscape to what it was before. Mm. Um, and so, I, yeah, in a way, I'm still I'm still figuring it out. Um, and I think the first year, yeah, I was so extremely overwhelmed <laughs> that um, and kind of broke that it was quite hard to. I think I was just sort of trying to survive a little bit in my head and. Um, I didn't myself as as much as I might have wanted to, but on a very, on a in you know, you can see something amazing every night in Berlin. You know, everybody comes to Berlin like it's. Um, there's so many shows here going on all the time. Um, we've also there's been a you know over the last years there have been a, a really nice sort of musical group of friends, but it is also a challenging place in some ways in that. It's so, it's a very big city and a lot of people are coming in and out. Mm. Um, and so I think it can be a bit challenging to form tight-knit communities. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm still figuring it out a bit. And, and yeah, one has to be, I guess, whenever one moves to a new place or ever in life, <laughs> in mm. order to be involved in things, you have to be a bit brave and you have to be quite uh, willing to play. And I'm still working on it, I think. So I'll have to maybe come back to you about that. In, yeah, yeah. In, uh, in yeah, I suppose you have to <laughs> be prepared to uh, to take the leap, you know. I think it's also, you know, it's so interesting, but I think when I first moved to Cape Town, which was after university, there was a kind of want to, like, go out and to meet and to, like, I was uh, absorbing inspiration from um humans in such a clear way mm. and now i feel i mean i guess i'm 33 this year and i i somehow feel like i i need to or want to i don't know which um draw inspiration a bit more from like a like to quiet not quiet down but like one can one can um absorb a lot of external influence but then they need time to sort of um integrate it you know yeah yeah um so it's interesting to find that balance, you know, um, because, like I said, there's so much. There's so much in Berlin. Hmm. But if you're if you if you're working on your own sort of ideas or your craft, that also requires some kind of isolation. And that balance is interesting to find in Berlin. Yeah, yeah, I'd say that. Geez, that must be very difficult to find that balance actually with so much going on. But um, how was over the last? Two, two and a half years. How was the music industry affected in Berlin? I mean, I guess like everywhere else, you know, everything was just cancelled. But there is a lot more. I don't know how the rest of the world works. I know how South Africa is a little bit. And there's just, there was a lot more support here. Well, there was there was opportunity for support. So, um, like, I got some funding to make a couple of things, which mm. is the first time I've ever had that experience that I could... Yeah, just be sitting and working on things. Um, yeah, it's really amazing. Um, so I, I think I think one's still going to 
really, um, I think it's hard to even tell at this point how big the impact has been because, you know, I suppose a lot of places have had to close and, um, but I don't know, in a way things are just starting to open up again here. So I suppose we'll see. Yeah. But, yeah. But yeah, there is more, so there's definitely, there's definitely a fair amount of support here. Yeah. That's yeah. great to hear. Cause I know over yeah. here, everything, once everything closed down, I think we were one of the, the first countries in Europe to totally shut off live music, but there was no support for any yeah. of the musicians or bands, you know, they were just stuck in limbo for two, two and a half years. But as you've said, it's it's starting to take off again and they've been given free run to have as many gigs as they want. So hopefully it can get back to some sort of normality now. Oh, it's crazy because it was already so difficult before, you know. Mm. I can see here that, you know, there's a lot of, I think there's also venues and stuff that get I don't know. I, I still don't know the ins and outs of it. I'm still quite new to it. But um, there's definitely, you know, when, when we tour here, there's some venues that you go to that are completely funded by the government. And I can't even, I can't imagine now how venues and bands do it without support because it's so hard to make, if it's just a profit-driven thing, hmm. it's incredibly challenging to try and make it work. Yeah, yeah. So, and then, and then, and then to do it with, to go two years without even that little profit, I, I, it's a bit inconceivable to me how how it's supposed to survive, which is very, very sad. Yeah, yeah. I imagine now, though, that things are opening back up. There's uh, The competition is quite stiff. I imagine everyone is rushing to try to get those gigs and play those venues. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and like I said, I mean, it was already tough, so... I don't know. It's such a, yeah. I mean, it's kind of a mad thing to try to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we, we might touch on your gigs in the past for a bit. What can people expect when they come to see one of your, your gigs or concerts? Mm, I think that um, my, that I'd, I'm not really somebody who feels like, the live show really needs to be a representation of the record. Hmm. Um, I really love performing. Um, it's my favorite thing, and it's t- it's a little bit terrifying, but in a in a good way, in a way that says one really cares. Um, I I kind of have a bit of a um, a love for the slightly dramatic. Um, like I kind of go to a concert to feel, you know. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of want to give that also. Um, and I think that the more that I do it, especially with the Lost Boys stuff, I think for, for, for a while my solo stuff was a bit quite down tempo and quite introverted. And maybe it's still that, but in a more externalized way or something. Um, I think the band at the moment, the band that I've built up in Berlin, it's really wonderful. And there's a lot of, um, I think there's a lot of play between quite between extremes a little bit so um i think because some of the material is really introverted and really quiet um and the new, the new album some of it's a bit more loud and a bit more intense like i think it's i think it's well what am i saying i suppose i really i really have always liked playing quite a bit with, si- with silences and very empty spaces yeah but those are mostly quite impactful when there's an a contrast, you know? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I think I, I think I really enjoy very present and engaging performers, and that's kind of what I hope to be. Um, but I, it's still, I, I guess, it changes all the time. That's also a, a kind of a nice thing. I think um, I wondered for a while whether it's necessary to try and be specific and shape a performance. But actually, especially because because we play in so many different kinds of environments still. Um, yeah. I guess when the, when a band gets to a certain level, then they can control um, the spaces that they play in the environments a lot more. But I think we're still at a stage where we um, are playing a lot of different venues, and it's kind of it's kind of lovely to let those spaces influence how things happen a bit. So yeah, I think that I think that one could come to two different shows and have two quite different experiences. Brilliant. I I love to hear that because I, for one, I hate going to a gig or a concert and it's just like putting the record on. You know, yeah, you I need something different. Yeah. Yeah, I also really like it if somehow, and I still would love to push that even further, but when the stakes are quite high, so, you know, you're in a, a point of tension that's not unpleasant, but you're slightly, like you can tell that, something could happen that wasn't pla- that wasn't planned you know mm. it keeps you a bit more yeah and somehow it 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 also pulls you into a level of responsibility you know because if you can tell that the atmosphere is shifting the room mm. you 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 as an audience member are contributing to that you know in yeah. your in the way that you're giving or the way that you're interacting and and then something can really happen in a room you know yeah yeah, it becomes much more than a, a gig. It's more of an experience for all yeah, involved. Yeah, exactly, exactly, which I really love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you cast your memory back to the very first gig you ever played and tell us a bit about that? Wow. You know, it was probably, but I wouldn't be able to be too specific now because I can't remember. I have a terrible memory, which makes me <laughs> so sad. Really, it does. Maybe it's a good thing, but. Um, I started playing guitar when I was 16 or 17. And there used to be um, a, a guitar club in Johannesburg where I grew up. And I think they would have like four acts a night where you would play two songs or something. And yeah. my sister, my sister-in-law, who wasn't my sister-in-law at that time, she had started playing. And I can remember her, I'm just going to jump around a bit now, but I can remember her once we were on holiday and she was playing, um, she was playing, um, what's the, don't it always seem to go that you don't know, the Yulotaki by Joni Mitchell. And she's got such a beautiful voice and she's got such a, but seeing, yeah, seeing her being able to share that casually in this room and transform the space and offer something so specific to her um was so extremely moving for me and I was like I wanted I want to do that you know because I think I'd always been involved in like school performances and choirs and, but there's a different thing you know where you yeah like were you were you really offering this experience just so simply or something mm-hmm. anyway and she used to perform there and so I'm pretty sure that by the time that I had gotten to a point where I could sort of string something together I probably um played the because I played there a couple of times and I can remember, yeah, I'm trying to remember exactly how it felt. I imagine quite liberating to, and also because I think as soon as I could play even a little bit, I started writing my own songs. 
Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, pretty terrible, I'm sure. But, um, but that I can imagine, I can remember and imagine that was very exciting, you know, to be able to, yeah, to make something, yeah, and share that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you had to pick one overall, is there a gig that stands out as the best experience you've had? I mean, the one that comes to mind now is, pro- you know, it comes to mind for a number of reasons, but probably because it was the most, I gave it a lot of power even before it happened and afterwards in tribute to the memory. And so it it was documented in a way, in a, in a very severe way, which is probably why I have to think of it now. But um, there were lots of others, of course, but um, Medicine Boy, we together were a band for about five years. And. Hmm. Um, then at some point we decided actually we needed to stop the band um, because I think both of us felt like we were inhibiting each other more than we were um, expanding. But we, so uh, Andre, my bandmate in Medicine Boy, he he was part of a, a, a collective called Psych Night in South Africa and they organized this festival. They started a, a yeah, this collective called Psych Night and they used to bring down smaller, like, psychedelic and alternative bands which was a, a really big deal in South Africa um, and it really brought together a very strong community and then they started to do this festival which um, called Endless Days which was on the on the coast in Cape Town um, and they would bring down a few international acts but a lot of local acts and it was an, a really really amazing festival and I guess we were it was really our community in a way and we had played all of them and then we decided we would have our final show there mm. and um, invited a lot of friends to come and play with us. And, and, and I can remember before thinking I'm just, because I can get so like, want, I want to get the performance right. And I want to like, that you kind of forget to have fun or something. Yeah. Yeah. And I was so determined. I, I was like, there are all these amazing people around us and, and the engineers were people that we had worked with for ages. They were really on board and the audience is mostly people that we knew who kind of had been part of this whole journey and just surrounded by like it's like when you go to a, a birthday party or or a funeral or something you know and <laughs> everyone knows that the focus there's like a letting go of certain of, of certain things and a sort of focus on on something good and something powerful and yeah, um, yeah. like a celebration Exactly, a huge celebration. And also when you surround, there were so many beautiful musicians on stage and I just thought like, like nothing can go wrong here You, if you're held by so many brilliant people. Um, and then just to go, like to be, to feel so clearly what music can do, you know, in terms of all the people that it brings together and the kind of, and then just, yeah, just just uh, just an enormous celebration. Um, but musically, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was just a very special moment. Yeah, yeah. And to flip it around then, is there an experience you would say was the worst and how did you deal with it? Well, now the one that comes to mind is I remember when I first moved to Cape Town, well, there were a couple, but I just took anything I could get. Hmm. And um, (laughs) yeah, three kind of come to mind, but there was one where I played at this little bar and there was two people in the audience sitting on a couch on their cell phones Right. Um, and I actually really, I turned around like this and had a tiny little cry. And then oh. I turned around and kept playing. And there was also one actually in, where I, I went to play in a shopping centre. Um, 
this sort of clothing brand had said, will you come play? And I thought it would just be a little set in the shop. I mean, now I know that's just completely absurd, but um, I arrived at the shopping center and I took my guitar in. And when I got there, there was no sort of, it's just this little clothing shop and there was no um, amplification or anything. And I sing extremely softly. Nice. So I just had to stand very uncomfortably in the shop playing my very sad songs, which I can't imagine did anything <sighs> for anyone. And then when I had to leave, I couldn't find my car uh, because I, I'm very, I'm very forgetful. And I had, I'd been on the phone when I arrived. And so I hadn't noted where I was. And I think I looked for about 20 minutes. Like I had a tiny blister on my hand, even from carrying my guitar. And it turned out in the end that the elevator was broken and wasn't stopping on a particular lift where my car was. But anyway, it was just, in the end, it was quite funny because it was just added to the poetry of the, Hmm. Complete disaster that was. <laughs> Jeez, yeah. I think though it's um, experiences like that, along with the good experiences, build you as an artist and a performer. Yeah, it's yeah, totally. It's super interesting to feel also what music does and what your music does in different spaces. I also played a couple of markets where I got very aggressive responses. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah, like a kind of like you're making the customers want to kill themselves kind of a feeling. You know? <laughs> oh my and then it was like, okay, so this is not the right atmosphere for, for, which I knew, you know, but yeah, when you, when you, you can feel where it's safe to take your music, you know? Yeah. And yeah. It's so it's so relative, I guess. Yeah. And it is interesting to feel, I think. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And the last gig you've played, what was that? Oh yeah. Um, so when I went to South Africa, I went back to South Africa for two and a half months now. And when I first, when I, for the first month, I actually, all the Lost Boys from Berlin were there except one of them and we played three shows. But then they all left and I was still there, except Andre from Medicine Boy, who also still plays in the Lost Boys sometimes. Um, the rest of the band left and I decided to do one more show. And so I did it with all the old Lost Boys. And um, it was 41 degrees um, in the town that we played in. <laughs> Um, and I was quite, I was quite nervous about the show because it was an entirely new band. I mean, an old band, but a new band, mm. uh, but it was actually just wonderful. Um, also I can, I think because it was so hot, like for the first time, Corona, the topic of Corona took a backseat to the weather Yeah, um, and to somehow feel that like sweaty mess of performance and audience was so good because it's <laughs> So, so deliberately sterile for the last two and a half years. Mm. Um, I mean, it probably in the end wasn't the safest, but, um, or definitely wasn't, but um, it was wonderful to feel. Yeah. Yeah, I could imagine. Back to, uh, back to normal almost. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. before we move on to the last couple of questions, what are the future plans? Um, that's a good question. Um, I just, uh, to make records and to play, uh, to perform them. Um, I really still, I'd still love to, you know, I'm still finding my feet here and still figuring it out, figuring it all out. And, um, I think for a while, that's still, that's still what I would, what I, what I would like to be doing. Hmm. Um, in that in that obvious way of spending time, you know, I'm always writing, and then to yeah, 
I'm still learning how to make the record that I make records sound how I want them to make. I somehow find in live performance it's easier to find what I want, but recording is such a different process. Yeah, so for the next little while, that's what I that that is my plan. Brilliant, brilliant. Now, um, these questions, I'm afraid everybody gets them, so you can't get off the podcast until you answer. I'm afraid. Okay, no problem. If you could see any artist or performer from history for one night only, who would it be? I don't know. I have sometimes, yeah, it's, it's a bit, it's a, I'm a bit blocked there, but um, I suppose I, because because Joni Mitchell meant so much to me at a, at, a, at, a, at a point, and still does, and because I'm so, yeah, what she did and the time that she did it in, so incredible. I would love to see. I mean, I'd love to see. I would even love to see her now, but I know that's not, I know that that's not possible. But to have seen her then, and that's to have been in a room during that time in that kind of place. I mean, actually, and and Nina Simone, like, I would fucking love to see Nina Simone. Yeah, that's that'd be pretty epic. Now, yeah, the two I mean, of I, them. I, and my heart hurts like it beats very fast at the sort of it. <laughs> yeah. And if you could spend 24 hours in a room with any artist or performer from history, who would it be? It's so tough because, you know, watching someone perform and spending time with them as a person is such a different thing. Mm. Um, I don't know. I guess I would be curious to. Like, are you allowed to ask them questions or are you just casually hanging out? You can spend the time however you choose. I don't know why now I'm thinking of... Um, I feel a bit silly saying this because I don't... But I now I have to... Maybe because I was looking at her stuff yesterday, but like somebody like Pina Bausch, she's a theatre maker. Oh. Um, like some somebody that also deals in such... I don't know. Sometimes I imagine. I think that um, musicians are such such like guttural impulse. Like they, their art form is so immediate and so. Mm. And somebody like somebody like Pina Bausch is creating all these. Like I'd love to speak to her about her how she feels about performance and what it is and what it means and what it does and maybe that. Yeah. But yeah. I like that answer. Now I like. The mindset behind coming to that answer you know you're not just picking someone you idolize just to hang out with them you want to actually engage and learn from them yeah because i mean it, it's ter- it must be terrifying to hang out casually with somebody that you <laughs> you know and personalities are such different things so i don't think like yeah if you have a chance to be able to yeah i would have to do a lot of research before that day though <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and the final one if there was a song that could appear on the soundtrack to your life what would it be do you think i could just go into a uh, logic and put the whole of blue as one song <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's cheating but <laughs> yeah, <I'll allow> yeah. <laughs> well i was trying to think on blue like which song in particular but yeah, it's just the perfect album. And I remember when I heard it, I, I really it was really a turning point for me of yeah, somebody who can 
strip away all the all the fluff or something, all the like overly poetic and overly just very raw, but not in like a um, in a very uh, strong. Uh, I don't know how to explain it. It's very brave somehow. Mm. Yeah. 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 Another answer I like. Great answer. Well, listen, I've really enjoyed chatting to you for the last hour and getting an insight into your music. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was nice to speak about it. It's interesting to hear your own, how you how you reveal how you feel about things to yourself as well, you know. So thanks for that. It's not like a It's not like a fall I ever felt before I land itself like a seed That was always going to be
Hello everyone, I am Matthew Thomas, the Spirit of Super Cool Radio, and if you're looking for a great podcast that features the best independent and up-and-coming bands and artists, then check out my podcast, Super Cool Radio. Each week, I deliver fun interviews, and every Friday, I spin some killer music. You might not know some of these bands that I feature, but I guarantee you will love them. Check out Super Cool Radio on YouTube, Rumble, Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, or the streaming platform of your choice. Tune in and rock out! Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. I for one surely did. Now, if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. Your 5 star review will be read out on the show. And don't forget, you can now rate us on Spotify. You can find and follow us on all social media at Concerts That Made Us Podcast. And don't forget to check out the website at www.concertsthatmadeus.com. And if you'd like to support the show, you can do so by signing up at patreon.com forward slash concerts that made us. So, until next time, keep rocking. Hey, hey, what are you guys still doing there? The show's over. It's over. You can go home. Go on. We'll see you next time. We'll be here. Bye.